0: Bismillah Rahmanir rahman rahim wa sallallahu ta'ala ala Sayyidina Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh Welcome back to our podcast series Left or Right? The Straight Path Please My name is Umm Abdullah from Misk Women The Muslim Institute for Sacred Knowledge And this is our podcast series Dealing with Contextual Competence so how do we live as Muslims in the modern world? Inshallah, we will start as we usually do with the dua of Imam al-Haddad for seeking knowledge, orientation and alignment. Bismillah Rahmanir rahim alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen, Allahumma inni nawaitu ta'alama wa ta'aleem, wa tathakur wa tathkeer, ونفع الانتفاع والإفادة والاستفادة والحث على تمسك بكتاب الله وسنة رسوله ودعاء إلى الْهُدَىٰ والدلاله على الخير ابتغاء وجه الله وَمَرْضَاتِهِ وقربه وَالثَّوَابِهِ سبحانه وتعالى. There is a translation of this dua on the Misk Women Instagram page. However, I will also translate it. It means, in the name of Allah, Most Gracious, Most Merciful, all praise be to Allah, Lord of the Worlds. I intend to learn and teach, to remember and remind, to benefit myself and to benefit others, to derive usefulness for myself and extend usefulness to others, to encourage adherence to the Book of Allah and the Sunnah of His Messenger, sallallahu wasallam to call to guidance, direct towards good, seeking thereby the countenance of Allah, His divine pleasure, closeness and reward. Glorified be the Most Exalted, the Transcendent and Most High. Because it's Ramadan, inshallah, we will be taking these few weeks to look at a tafsir of Surah Al-Fatiha and to reconnect to the Qur'an because it's the month of Qur'an and inshallah, to deepen our understanding of this most significant surah. However, the angle that I would like to take with regards to the overall objective of this podcast is to look at how Surah Al-Fatiha enables us to develop and establish a correct paradigm and way of understanding the world. So our tafsir will come from that perspective. We're not just looking at Some of the general meanings, but we're actually looking at how we can apply those meanings to develop a framework and a worldview that will, inshallah, hold us in good stead and will become our lens for looking at and understanding our reality here in this world of the dunya, this material world, and inshallah, inform our way of understanding the world, analyzing what's going on in the world and inshallah, acting upon it in the best possible way. When we look at Surah Al-Fatiha and the straight path metaphor that it contains, then we're able to consider and understand that this concept of being on a journey is one of the core metaphors which are present in the Quran. So when we think about being on a journey, Surah al-Fatiha lets us know that there are two journeys, in fact, that are happening simultaneously that any person is on. The first is a journey which is an involuntary journey, and that's the one that we will be looking at today, and that takes up the first part of Surah al-Fatiha. The second part is a voluntary journey, which we will be looking at in the next episode, inshallah. The involuntary journey is really the beginning of everything. We will read Surah Al-Fatiha, inshallah, with a translation just to remind ourselves. And then we will start with looking at some of its meanings, inshallah, with regards to establishing for ourselves a framework or a lens or a paradigm or whatever word you want to put on it to help us establish our worldview, our way of understanding, inshallah. أعوذ بالله من Ameen. I First of all, we seek refuge in Allah from the accursed shaitan. In the name of Allah, the most merciful and compassionate. All praise is for Allah, the Lord of the worlds, the most merciful and compassionate. The sovereign of the day of judgment. It is you that we worship and it is from you that we seek help. Guide us on the straight path. The path of those who have earned your blessing, not the path of those who have earned your wrath and gone astray. It's clear from the meaning that Suratul fatiha can be loosely divided into two parts. The first has to do with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Himself, and the second has to do with the worshippers, the servants, the believers, those who submit themselves to His will and who rely and depend on Him beseeching him for the best that they could possibly ask for, which is to be firmly on the Siratul Mustaqeem, on the straight path, as it is the path of those who are successful and not the path of those who have gone astray. We need to mention the Isti'adha, which is, أعوذ بالله before we go into our understanding of the rest of Suratul fatiha Much has been written about the isti'adah, about the seeking of protection from all evil. There are many things we could discuss with regards to it, but inshallah our main point here and for our purposes is to recognize that we need Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect us from the evil that is in creation and from the evil that is manifested through shaitan and through his waswasa, his whisperings, and through his corruption that he sows on the earth, both in dunya matters and in religious and dini matters. Shaitan is the word that is given to the devil, and what it means is to be distant from. So the devil is the one who has arrogantly turned away from his lord. And the devil is the one who has sworn that he will mislead Bani Adam, the children of Adam, until the day of judgment with whatever means he possibly can. Being described as rajim means that he's the one who has been thrown out or cast out or rejected. And it's noteworthy for us at this point to recognize that there are those who are Accepted by Allah and those who are not. The shaitan actually is a jinn. So he was created from fire rather than being created from clay like human beings or from light like the angels. So amongst the different forms of creation, it's possible for both jinn and human beings to be believers or to not believe. And the Shayatin, the devils, are the ones of the jinn who do not believe and who go about causing mischief and making problems. This clearly indicates to us the two concepts of good and bad, of acceptance and rejection, of reward and punishment. And when we consider our worldview, we have to understand that not everything is good and not everything is accepted. And there are some things which the shaitan can make look good but in actual fact are evil. And we need to seek protection in Allah from the jinn, the real jinn, who cause problems and from the jinn of the human beings who have allowed themselves. And their primordial nature to turn to evil and to become the sowers of corruption and the sowers of destruction and wrongdoing on the face of the earth. So when we seek protection in Allah from the shaitan or we're seeking protection in him as the only one who can protect us from the evil doings of both the jinn and the human beings who act like jinn. In the world today, there is a breakdown of binary concepts. And in a postmodern way of thinking, the view is that there is no need for binaries and to look at things from an oppositional point of view, but rather to think that instead everything is relative, which means that one view is just as valid and valuable and worthy as the next view. So what that does is it immediately breaks down the possibility of good and bad and it makes everything on the same equal playing field. And this is problematic for us because when we're establishing our worldview based on Surah Al-Fatiha, we are clearly confronted with those who do good and who are blessed and those who have earned Allah's wrath and gone astray. So where does that put us with regards to the concept of relativism? Inshallah, we will look into that more when we go into postmodernism. But I just want to put that concept forward now because our deen is based on these concepts of duality, of there being good and bad, night and day, right and wrong, ignorance and knowledge. We need to understand that this is the proper way of seeing the world and that this comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself who has told us stay on the straight path and don't veer off. So it's not our limited understanding but rather it comes from an expansive understanding about what the realities are. And then, of course, it's upon us to, to work with that and to know that our success or failure, because there's only two places you can go to in the next life, how can we possibly come with a third when everything has a concrete outcome, either way, and we ask Allah to make us of those who, of course, attain the best of that, inshallah. And we start the very beginning of the Quran with seeking protection in Allah from the evil that exists. Suratul Fatiha starts with the Basmala, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, in the name of Allah, the Most Compassionate, the Most Merciful. There are literally volumes and volumes that have been written about these four words. However, as I mentioned, we won't be looking at everything that has to do with it because because the Islamic scholarly tradition is so rich that it's possible to look at the Qur'an from a large number of angles. We can look at it from the perspective of language, which would include the vocabulary It would include the sarf, which is the morphology, the construction of words. The nahu, the syntax, which is the way the words work together. We can also look at it from the point of view of tajweed, how the words are read in a formal recitation of the Qur'an. We can also look at it from the perspective of tafsir, what do those words mean. We can also have a look at it from the point of kalam, or the theological, the aqeedah aspect and understanding of those words. We can look at Bismillahirrahmanirrahim from the point of view of fiqh, of the legal rulings associated with it. When is it used and when is it not used? And that might include the different points of view about whether or not ar-Rahim is considered an ayah or a verse of Surah Al-Fatiha or not. And some scholars, such as the Shafi'i school, they say that it is, whereas others say that it isn't, and rather it's an indication of the beginning or the ending of a surah. We can look at how Bismillahirrahmanirrahim has been used in other places in the Quran or not used. For example, in Surah al naml when Nabi Sulaiman sent the letter to Bilqis, who was the queen of Sabah, and he began his letter with Bismillahirrahmanirrahim, or how it was not used at the beginning of Surah Tauba. And this is just some examples that I'm literally just saying off the top of my head without even reading anything about it. This is how rich these words are and this is how rich the tradition that they come from is. And we need to have some appreciation of that, particularly when we're looking to base our understanding of the world on a few words which begin with these four. When we look at the Ba, which is the first letter of Bismi in the name of, then we can see there are many aspects of it that could be discussed. However, the point that we will focus on here is that the ba, which in its grammatical term is used to mean ilsaq or literally to be stuck to or rather in a more conceptual sense to accompany, then we see that it's bismillahi, that it's by the name of Allah that anything, something, everything happens al Qushayri says in his tafsir that it's by Allah, that it's billah, that everything that was created became apparent and that through Bismillah, through Allah, that everything came into existence. Everything is attained by him and everything is maintained by him, whether it be animate or inanimate objects. And nothing appears except by the haqq of the one who is essentially and necessarily present, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So without him, nothing could appear or be. And he is the owner or the sovereign of everything that is. And it's through him and through his reality that everything begins. And it is to him and to his truth and reality that everything turns. It is by Allah, it is Billah, that whoever finds Tawheed, the oneness of Allah, finds it. And whoever turns away in rejection and atheism, it turns away. And whoever knows by it is one who has realised, and whoever rejects it and sins is the one who has been left behind. Another meaning of the bar is what's called al-isti'ana, which is what we come back to again when we look at iyyaka na'budu wa iyyaka nastain. Isti'ana is the seeking of help and seeking of assistance. So when we say bismillahi, then we are by the bar automatically and immediately connecting ourselves to the beginning of what it is that we are undertaking to the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it is through that that Allah now opens up for us to be able to take the means to achieve what we want to achieve in the dunya and in a dini sense. It connects us to the one creator and we connect ourselves to the one who has placed those means at our disposal because we're not able to create the means to do anything ourselves but rather we have to look at what is around us and act upon that and it's only by connecting to Allah that we realise and know that we're able to move forward and do something. That takes us to our next point which is about the kasra. The kasra is the vowel sound, the e, so the b. It could be ba, it could be bu, or in this case, the letter is b. And that is called the kasra. And the word kasra comes from kasra, which is to break. And some of our scholars say that, that kasra indicates the inkisar, or the brokenness of the person who attaches themselves to the name of Allah because it is with the brokenness and extreme neediness and iftiqar in our poverty to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we attach ourselves to him and rely and depend upon him for the fulfillment of our affairs. These aspects, which we're only mentioning extremely briefly, are actually proofs that our very existence is dependent upon and contingent upon the necessary existence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and it means that we are completely unable to be or do or fulfil anything by ourselves without connecting ourselves to Him, the Creator of the heavens and the earth. This is the first point which is required to be understood for anybody who's looking to understand the world from a a Quranic or from a straight path metaphor, because we need to know who we are in relation to our Rob, in relation to our Lord and creator and nurturer. And if it is that we arrogantly turn away from that, number one, reject even the concept of God and number two, think that we are completely independent and do things on our own, then we show nothing other than extreme arrogance and extreme ignorance. So to have a good conceptualization of the Ba, of the being connected to Allah through the Ba, through the Bismillah, then inshallah we're able to see immediately who we are and where we stand in relation to the universe and the one who has created it. Lavul Jalala is actually an expression which is used to denote the name of Allah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as himself, as the divine being, is called Allah. And he is the only being in existence that has that name. Nothing else can be given that name. We can be given the name Abdullah or Amatullah, which is to say the servant of Allah, The male is Abdullah and Amatullah is the female form. However, nobody can actually take that name because a name is given to the thing that it is named. So once something has been given that name, it's not possible for something else to take on that name, especially when it comes to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The name Allah actually indicates towards three things or three aspects of the divine being of God. The first is that when we say Allah, what we're actually mentioning is the that of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which is his essence. We are also mentioning his sifat, which is his attributes and qualities. And it also encompasses his af'al, which are his actions. And these are the three components of knowing that a human being is able to understand two of them, the af'al, the actions, and the sifat, both intellectually and also experientially, and put words to them and describe them. For example, everything around us is Allah's af'al, his action, the whole creation of the universe, space, time, and everything that is comprised within all the elements from the biggest to the smallest from atoms to the largest planets and galaxies from speech from uh, emotions everything all of these come under the field of Allah's actions and when it comes to his attributes and qualities then we are guided to understand and know those through the 99 names of Allah so we have ar-rahman ar-rahim we have al-malikul quddus Almumin, salam al-mu'min etc and the point of those names also is to guide us to being able to do takhalluq bi asma'illah and takhalluq bi asma'illah means that a person purifies themselves by walking on a path of spiritual purification and inshallah starts to emulate to the extent that is humanly possible some of those divine qualities. And the Prophet ﷺ was the perfected human being because it was in him that all the divine qualities that could be perfected in a human being were perfected. And that's what made him خَيْرُ خَلْقِ الله, the best of Allah's creation. Did they give him divine status? No, of course not, because he was a human being, but he was the best human being, unlike any other human being. He was the final prophet, the final holder and bearer of the ultimate message of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He came with warning, he came with blessings and glad tidings, and he came to teach us everything that we need to know. He was also the one who travelled to the Sidratul Muntaha. He is the only creature or creation that, was, that has ever been in the Divine Presence. And it is through him that we know Allah. So Allah's sifat, his attributes and qualities can be understood both intellectually and experientially. However, when it comes to the that, to the essence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we are not able to understand that intellectually because our rational selves and our minds are simply not equipped to deal with the vastness of that. But when we understand that Allah is the one who brings everything into creation and it is upon him that we depend for our sustenance and for our very being, then that can lead us to understand that the real essence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is inherently incomprehensible to us as human beings. However, what do we get if we don't understand that here in the dunya is that inshallah what awaits for us in the next life is to be able to see the manifestation of his divine countenance in paradise. And that is the real meaning of paradise. Yes, it's a place that has gardens and rivers and magnificent fruits and trees and that a person can eat and eat and eat forever and eternity and never be full. And every bite of something is better than it was before. It's a place where there's no death, where there is eternal life, where there is eternal beauty and things that that no ear has ever heard, no eye has ever seen or no heart of a human can comprehend. And in order to understand the creator of all of that, then Allah gives us the opportunity to witness his manifestation and that is the real meaning of paradise. It's not the place itself, although that's so great and enough for us to even start to begin to try and imagine what it could possibly be like. But the real paradise is to be witness to that manifestation of his divine countenance, subhanahu wa ta'ala, and the real meaning of hell And the real meaning of punishment is to not have that, is to be removed from that and withheld and prohibited from being able to experience that. So it's distance from Allah, which is actually what hell is. Yes, it's a place and we know a lot about its description. We don't need to go into it, but the point is that for a person either there in that realm or even here on earth to be distant from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is like experiencing something of a hellish nature and we seek refuge in Allah from that. Continuing on with the names of Allah, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim Ar-Rahman and Al rahim are two of the divine names, two of the beautiful names of Allah and they come from the same root letters rahima which means mercy. They are both what's called sigatul Mubalaka, which is intensive forms of the word. So this is getting into our field of surf of morphology. And ar-rahman indicates to an intensive outpouring of mercy for everybody. That's all encompassing and that includes animate objects, inanimate objects and every single aspect of the existence of those things. Whereas al-Rahim indicates towards an intensive outpouring that is not restricted by any time but rather it is continuous. So al-Rahman is something that is of course not limited to the dunya but more intense here and al-Rahim is the continuation of Allah's mercy into the next life. The Prophet ﷺ had a verse revealed about him which said, Which means that Allah says that we, as in the divine we, and we did not send you, O Muhammad, except as a mercy to all of the worlds. Allah's mercy manifested here in this worldly life can be seen and witnessed and experienced through the life of the Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him. Amongst the things that this teaches us with regards to our worldview, is that when we connect with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we are connecting to the very source and meaning of mercy. And this is something which helps guide us in our understanding and interaction with other people and with the things that we do here. And we know that whatever calamities fall upon us or others, or what trials and tribulations or difficulties that we go through, that we're actually encompassed within divine mercy. And that although sometimes it isn't clear to us the wisdom of what's happening at the time, we know that as believing people, that there is always good in whatever situation befalls us. This is very helpful when we look at Issues to do with justice and when we look at things like crime and poverty and wars and we understand that behind these things there are meanings which may not be apparent at the time but we know that everything is happening for a certain reason and one of those reasons that's indicated to us is because Allah is the one who initiates and begins everything and to him is the end and this lets us understand more That we are on a path that we cannot get off. We are given a beginning and we are given an appointed time, an Ajalin musamma, a time which will definitely strike everybody when the moment comes, when what has been written falls into place, and we will leave this world. And this is a part of what the involuntary journey is about. The fact that Allah brings us into existence and he ends our existence according to his will and what happens within that is written and predetermined, does that mean that we can't change anything for the better? No, of course not. But it makes us realise that we are here and we have to make the best of our situation. And how we do that requires some guidelines and conditions and proper ways of conduct. And these are ways that need to fit into and correspond with the fact that we are on this involuntary journey of life. Because what is the involuntary journey other than being created and having our lifetime come to an end and we're not in control of that process? That's a process that every person is on, whether they believe or they don't believe or whatever is their condition. Every human being is brought into this world and every human being will leave it. We all go through the same stages of development from within the womb until birth and then our stages through infancy and being a toddler and a small child and a preteen and a teen and a 20s and 30s and then with age come certain signs like grey hair which should be a reminder that the end is closer than the beginning and then we go through a type of degeneration physically Some people mentally when they get very old and then just as we needed someone to look after us at the beginning, then we might need somebody to look after us at the end and we go back to a childlike state in that sense because we need physical care. A lot of people, not everyone of course, and then our time will come, the angel of death will come and our moment of existence in this realm will be over. And that's a path that nobody can escape. Some people will leave earlier. Some people will die in infancy or in childhood or in their teens or 20s or at whatever stage. And that's what Allah has decreed for them. But nobody knows and chooses when they're born and nobody knows or chooses when they die. Now we'll look at Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen All oh, praise for Allah, the Lord of the worlds. Alhamd or praise is what is mentioned by the person doing the praising for the one who is praised for his virtues and his wholeness and completeness which exist in his that, in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's essence. Praise is something that one person gives to another person or in our case is the praise that we give to our Lord and Creator and we praise him for his completeness and perfection and for the completeness and perfection of everything that exists because of him allah himself subhanahu wa ta'ala is able to praise himself. Nobody else, no other part of creation is able to praise themselves because there's nothing that we do that emanates purely and utterly from ourselves and our virtues and completeness because we don't really possess those qualities. Allah is the only one who possesses that. And whatever good that emanates from us comes from him and we praise him. And whatever bad that comes from us emanates from ourselves and our own wrongdoing against ourselves. So when we praise and we say Alhamdulillah, what we are actually doing is recognizing the complete oneness and unity and perfection of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because there is no part of that humd that exists for ourselves and our egos. And some of the scholars say that the summation or the summary of Tussawuf is to say Alhamdulillah because it's about reflecting and putting back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that which we do not have any part of or we cannot partake in through our own contingent selves. As we said, rabbul الْعَالَمِينَ That Allah is the Lord and Cherisher and Sustainer of the worlds the rob is the one who brings something from a state of incompletion to a state of completion in terms of its created perfection The word tarbiya, which means to nurture and to discipline and which is used to refer to education, actually refers to the process of development from ignorance to a state of knowing or from a lack of discipline and training and unruliness to a state of Uh, self-control and self-discipline. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has brought forward this creation from nothing and He has created and perfected it. And that's what makes Him the Rabb. He is the Lord and nurturer and perfecter of that process. Al-alameen is everything other than Allah. It means the worlds. It's the plural form of al-alam. Alam -alam is a world. Alameen is many worlds. And the world is everything other than Allah there is a low world and there is a high world. There is a spiritual world and a material or physical world. And there is a finite world and an everlasting world. So we need to understand that this dunya that we are currently residing in is the lower world. And that's what dunya means. It means something which is low, which is not high and elevated, but which is low. And this is a world which is not one in its essence of nur, of illumination, but rather it has a darkness over it and it's only through connecting to the divine light that one is able to see through the many veils of this material existence and to know that our creation and our being here and our souls are not actually created for this world. Our souls are created to connect to that divine light and that divine light is cast into the heart through the form of Iman, of faith. And it's when we realize that and perceive that and act on trying to grow and expand that, Then we are beginning to actualize and manifest for ourselves the point of our creation, which is to know Allah and to worship Him. Every creature and everything has its own type of world. So we have the worlds of birds and trees and inanimate objects and water. Uh, We have a space and time. Everything is occupying and existing in its own way. And that is created and sustained and held by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Human beings have certainly done a lot to interfere in that, in the worlds of other existent objects and beings. And... That's very apparent and something that we need to deal with because Allah has put us here to be the caretakers or the custodians of this world when he sent us as the khalifa fil ard. It's very interesting that in such a short selection of words in Surah Al-Fatiha that al rahman al rahim is repeated twice. First of all, it's in the beginning, Bismillah al rahman rahim Then, Alhamdulillahi Alameen. Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim so we have it twice and Imam Ghazali says that the first Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim is for the dunya so that's the manifestation of Allah's mercy in this worldly life and the second one Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim is for the akhirah which is the manifestation of Allah and actually the final point not that eternity has a final point but it's like the ultimate thing that could happen within an everlasting space. And that is to be regularly able to witness the manifestation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's countenance. And that occurs in a place which has been named in a hadith as Al-Kathib al Abiyad, which is the white dune. May Allah make us of those who are blessed to witness his countenance in the afterlife, inshaAllah ta'ala. We move on now to Maliki Yawm The Sovereign of the Day of Judgment. And this really sums up for us or ends this first part of Surah Al Fatiha, where we look at the involuntary journey. Because by the Ba' at the beginning, Bismillah, we begin and commence, and the end of our journey is to al-Din, which is the Day of Judgment. Allah says in the Quran, يَا أَيُّهَا الْإِنسَانُ إِنَّكَ كَارِحٌ إِلَىٰ رَبِّكَ كَدْحًا فَمُلَاقِي O oh, humankind, indeed you are in a state of toil and struggle and hard work and you will struggle until you meet him. Clearly, the beginning and the ending is with Allah. It is, إِنَّا inna إِلَيْهِ رَاجِعُونَ It is from him that we have come and to him that we will return. The masir, the journey, the rujaa, the return, the muntaha, the final place is with him, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And travelling through this world, through the whole life cycle, is what he has created for us and that's what we need to understand is an inherent part of our reality. We cannot get off this journey. We cannot change it. We cannot reverse time and it doesn't matter how many beauty creams and Botox injections and surgeries and how many weights you want to lift and repetitions and thigh bands and everything that you want to do to try and hold on to a time or a condition that has passed, it doesn't matter about any of that because what's past has passed and what is coming is coming. And when a human understands and accepts that fact and makes Islam or submits to the fact that they are on this journey back to their Lord, they've actually mastered and come to terms with at least half of their reality as a human being. So, this very fundamental state of affairs is something that we need to comprehend and really get our heads around because there's no changing any of this. This is the part that is involuntary, this is the path that we're all on. And this first part of Surah Al Fatiha from Bismillahi Rahman Rahim, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, Ar Rahman Rahim, Maliki Yomid That's what tells us what this actually is. Inshallah, in our next episode, we will look at the rest of Suratul al-Fatiha and what that means in terms of us as human beings and the choices that we make whilst we're on this involuntary journey. Because if we only look at it as something that's involuntary, then it doesn't enable us to understand. But what about our will? And what about the choices that we make? And what about the types of people that we are? And it doesn't really enable us to see our condition as human beings, on that journey. So that's where we will continue in the next episode, inshallah, with the voluntary journey. When we look at our choices and our actions and our states of being, to see that is what we choose corresponding with the involuntary journey or not. Inshallah. I look forward to joining you then. Well, Rabbil Allahumma salli ana Sayyidina Muhammad wa wasabi ahli wa sahbihi wa sallam. Assalamu wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Subhanakallahum wa bihamdik. Ashadu wa la ilahiland. Astaghfiru wa atubu ilayk.